Consequence Podcast Network. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too. And I'll be right there behind you. Greetings, Constant listeners. Welcome to the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast presented by the Consequence Podcast Network. You know me. I'm today's host, Michael Molly Strand Rothman. I'm using it again. I'm using it again. Wow. I'm, I'm editor-in-chief and a president of Consequence of Sound and also a constant contributor of the Losers Club. Uh, I think you've heard me on a few of these book episodes, a few of these news episodes. Yeah, we, we, we've done it all. But across to me, because I'm not the only loser here. Black Mountain Mackenzie Gerber. Wow, that was a that's a pretty bold one. Uh, yeah, I'm a fire raging, and I'm 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 coming for you. Uh, this is this is Mackenzie <laughs> Gerber. I am a constant contributor to this podcast as well as uh, Halloweenies, uh, and a Michael Myers also, podcast. Yeah, a Michael Myers podcast. That's right. So you Halloween heads uh, need to head over there and listen to that. Uh, I'm also really excited about this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. <laughs> Wait, I'm hearing something. I'm hearing a. Uh... The sound of the like universe ringing in my oh. ears. Ah, God, what is that? No! Hey, what's oh. up, everyone? This is Dan, the kid, Caffrey, calling oh. from Austin. It's not the universe collapsing. It's not a, a parallel beam or what have you. It's just me on the phone calling wow. in. And happy to be here, all the way from Austin, Texas. You know, Dan, I'm kind of hungry. Could you send me some barbecue? Hey, man, I would love some barbecue right now. Maybe I'll get some after this recording. I might get some barbecue, well, too. Well, if you do, you'll like have to idea. let us know. Yeah. What do you usually like to get, a sandwich or a plate, Dan? Oh, I love the plate because you get two sides. You get some of that cornbread, some, maybe some corn casserole. Uh, I, I love just a big old platter of brisket. That's, uh, that's what does it for me. And, or Frito pie. Frito pie is a big thing. Oh, Frito pie is great and one of Justin Gerber's favorite things to eat. Gentlemen, losers, Castle Rock citizens, we got some news to get into before we go the small town that we love and cherish so much and that we've been spending so much time this summer talking about, but not a lot of news. We got a word yesterday, or a little Justo himself broke this, uh, this news. Mick Flanagan was out tweeting, saying that he was leaving Los Angeles, not leaving Las Vegas, like that Nicolas Cage movie that I love and Justin Gerber doesn't like. That's right. Uh, I'm just going to keep pointing out these little references to Justin. Basically, Mike Flanagan says that he's heading into Atlanta. Justin replies to him and says, Dr. Sleep going to be filming in Atlanta. Mike Flanagan goes, yep. And then Justin says, is that a yep to LA or Atlanta? And he clarified it and said, it's in Atlanta. So it's there you have it. in Atlanta. Dr. Sleep is going to be shooting in Atlanta. Now, before you go and say, uh, wait a second, that's not where the story takes place. Just know that a lot of movies and a lot of TV shows, a lot of commercials even, are all shot in Atlanta. It's almost like the new Hollywood. It, it, it kind of is. And I think that it doesn't really matter where this is being shot. I mean, they're going to make it look, you know, they're probably, it's probably be a lot of green screen in this movie <laughs> uh, to make it look like they're in Florida, probably for some of it. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, this whole, this whole carnival of, of, of energy vampires. And I have not read the book, so I know a lot of our, our fans are fans of mm-hmm. the book. Um, I am still interested in this thing, especially now that it's being shot in Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah dan is, is a you've read the book does this book take place anywhere near atlanta or or anywhere that would look like atlanta is this a good place to shoot i mean 
the beginning of the book takes place in Florida, from what I remember. Um, and then that's where Danny goes after the events in The Shining. And right. look it up real quick where where no, he that, goes. He ends up you're somewhere right. That, I mean, at the end of The Shining book, he's they are there in, in Florida. Yeah, yeah, because that's where Holloran was hanging out. He goes back to New Hampshire. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. Atlanta's kind of leafy, I guess. Like, it could look like a, I don't know, New Hampshire in hey, the summer. They, they, they make Atlanta look like uh, Hawkins, Indiana. You know, the Hawkins, Indiana. Oh, come on. You know it. It's Stranger Things, my favorite TV show starring Steve Harrington. Um, and <laughs> Start, let it go, Mike. Let it I'm go. not going to let it go. Uh, uh, I can't. Fortune and glory. But uh, I will say, you had mentioned our fans love this book, Mac. Yes. And it's funny because one of our uh, constant listeners by the name of Sammy, she pointed out that there's a lot of pound cake in Dr. Sleep. And, uh, Can't wait. Yeah. And a lot of weird, crazy names in this book as well. So I'm kind of excited for that because I would love to see just some crazy ass Gonzo Stephen King movie. Uh, I don't think we're going to get that. But here's a question. Yeah. These carnival vampires. I'm hung up on these carnival vampires. Love carnies. Dan, is this is this his like reference slash? Is he inspired by uh, something wicked this way comes? Oh, that's actually a good point. You know, I would say yes because he talks about that book so much in Dance Macabre, and he just talks about Ray Bradbury a lot in general. Um, Do you if pick he up is, on that vibe from the book? No, because the dude in Something Wicked This Way comes comes is this like dangerous kind of classy, mysterious dude. I mean, these are like I'm not joking; they're actual carnies. They have them to be energy vampires, but I mean, they so like. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but does this feel like more like near dark? I would say it feels more like Ernest Scared Stupid or something. <laughs> <laughs> with the way these villains are. I mean, they're, they're like I said, they're vampires, but they're like in suspenders, like walking with canes and top hats, and they're they're like well, old. So is the character from Something Wicked This Way comes. Yeah, but he, <laughs> he actually yeah, does wear suspenders. Jason describe that. Now these guys are more Jonathan just backwoodsy and kind of cheap, and they travel in they they literally travel in RVs. They're they're not cool. There's well, that's cool why I said, is it more like Near Dark? Because aren't they traveling around in an RV half the movie? But, but they're like cool. They're cool in, in Near Dark. Yeah, that's it's like they're very like kind true. of badasses. They are very cool. These guys are not. Yeah, they're geriatric uh, energy vampires who like to have a lot of sex with each other. You'll get a lot of carny sex if you. Can't wait. I've, got a, I've got another question. Oh if, yeah, what's what is if, it? If and God bless him. If Bill Paxton was still alive today, who who would he play in, in Doctor Sleep? You know, if he well, I, I don't know. Danny's probably he'd probably be too, a little bit too old for Danny. But um, you know, hey, if you if he played the head guy, uh, energy vampire, that would probably make the movie better than the book. Like, yeah. I feel like that would make wow. him cooler than he is in the book. So I would I would be all for that. Well, we're all holding out hope that uh, Rebecca Ferguson will pull that off. Um, uh, of of MI6 fame. MI5 fame, too. And uh, The Greatest Showman. <laughs> you are the only person I know that has seen that movie. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just not a huge Rebecca Ferguson fan. You're a huge I showman mean, fan. She, you know, she's she's very talented in those movies. I get not in Greatest Showman. I mean, that movie's just not very good. But uh, the, the Mission Possible movies, she, she's she's entertaining. For and you're sure. a mission head, right? And, oh, I'm a oh, Absolutely. total mission head. Uh, I accept uh, this mission. However, I have I'm very excited about the rest of the cast of this, um, the idea of the book. Uh, so I am very interested in this film still. Me too. And Mike Flanagan at the helm, he's very faithful to these books. However, I feel that, and some people will probably back me up on this, that he has taken lesser books or lesser stories and found the scary things and really been able to work those in hey, a way in a way that that made the film adaptations. 
uh, a little bit more interesting. Uh, now, I haven't read Gerald's game, but I did sure like that movie. And um, I'm interested in seeing what he does with this. I'm excited to see what he does with the ending because that was my favorite part about Gerald's game. So um, (laughs) anyway, we're going to move on from Dr. Sleep because uh, I just woke up and I'm looking at tweets, Stephen King's tweets. And I've got to say, I know we have a rule here. But we're going to break them. Yeah, what's, what's the oh, quote? <laughs> you got to do it. I'm yeah. going to make you break your one rule. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a good one. I love that movie. Uh, what is that? Batman Returns? No. Uh, da- no Dark- <laughs> yeah, Batman Returns. I think it's Heath the Batman. Oh, I love that 60s Batman. God, it's so funny when he gets bitten by a shark. I uh, Shark repellent. So on August, August uh, 10th, which means last Friday, what was King doing? King is sitting at home tweeting away. This is at 8.54 p.m on August 10th, and he tweeted, Space Force, I keep thinking of one of those old Saturday morning shows with puppets and shit. Retweet only if you think this is possibly the dumbest idea out of Trump's admittedly dumb head so far. I love how blunt he is. I love that King, because of this tweet, which at this point it has 46,000 people talking about it and 54,000 likes. But by Saturday, 20,000 accounts had already shared the message and inspired a total meme where people were just making space force, space farce, all these type of ridiculous like, like, like images and base force, but with like Thunderbirds characters, right? Like the puppets, the old mostly like, morning puppet shows. I don't know if they went that deep. I think it was more well, like exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> it's is it, well, hey, the, 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 they went more with like Star Wars because that's the world that oh, we live in. That's, that's the only thing only that people, people know of sci-fi these days. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, so you I get love like Star Wars, but Jesus, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you get like Trump and the Millennium Falcon, and Trump is Darth so Vader. So cool, funny, pretty funny. <laughs> Either way, not a great big news update, but uh, I just had to put it out there because I love the idea that Stephen King is starting memes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah what, what other tweets do we have? From well, the old King you know, man? six days before that, uh, but not seven nights, Stephen King had tweeted, okay, grammarians, help me out. I just lay there or I just laid there. Spell check seems to think both are right, but just laid there looks goofy. Does anyone want to guess what the right is? Uh, now, considering that we, this is our second time recording this and that you already know the answer, Dan. Um, Dan, do you, s- wanna, do you want to ask your question again? <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. I, think- I feel like I actually forgot now. Oh, did you really? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Okay, well, according to Benjamin Dreyer, who Stephen King says, guy's a copy editor, got to trust him. Benjamin says, it's lay, sir. The past tense of lie. Save laid for I laid the bloody knife on the Davenport, for instance. Now, but why doesn't he give an example of lay? Because it sounds really strange to say I lay there and have people understand that you mean that you used to be laying in that spot. <laughs> yeah, it does sound weird, but the English language sounds weird all the time because yeah. the, the, it's well, it's like the Joker. There's no rules. Well, speaking of jokers, who's this guy that who's the grammarian? Here? Grammarian <laughs> Benjamin Dreyer. Benjamin Dreyer. So yeah, ben, Benjamin Button. So if you don't believe this, um, hit up Benjamin Dreyer and, hey. uh, and contest it. But I, I I happen to believe he's right. Yeah, he, I hope so. One, he's a copy chief uh, of Random House. <laughs> well, <laughs> we better we better hope he's right then. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be some books out there that oh, we're not going to be able to read. Anyway, I have a book that we're going to read. In fact, we're not going to read it. We're going to watch it. Oh. Oh, that? yeah. Is it book? It's, uh, it, it's, 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 it's based on books. What and a lot of books that we love are in this TV show. That's what true. TV show am I talking about, Mac? I believe you're talking about Castle Rock. Oh, yeah. For a second, I thought you were going to say uh, Dinosaurs. 
another great show. One of Caffrey's favorites. I deal with dinosaurs. There was an AV Club article that like trashed that show, and I got so mad. I, I, I was just like, they were just saying it's like corny and gross and doesn't have any depth to it. Anyway, we're not here to talk about dinosaurs. We're not. We're not. We're go start uh, a podcast on my own. Call, the, call the, the Wonder Years of the Prehistoric Times. That's uh, basically well, what it was. I'm uh, gassing up my Subaru, and you guys should join me. We're going to go ahead to Castle Rock. If I tell you something, can you keep your mouth shut? You said you'd help her. Time is her enemy, Sheriff. Most people can't hear it at all. A lucky few hear it constantly, practically deafened by it. What are you listening to? The voice of God. Greetings from Castle Rock. Now, when we were last here in this creepy small town in Maine, what was going on? Well, the last we saw uh, our boy uh, Alan Pangborn, he played was by in the woods. He's in the oh, woods. Scott Glenn. Uh, love Scott Glenn. And he was in the woods with who? The kid. Oh, played by Bill Skarsgård, Pennywise himself. And it seems like they're making a deal with the devil of some sorts. Well, uh, the kid, I believe, was saying that he could help uh, Ruth. And Pangborn, I don't know if Pangborn really believed him, but he seemed intrigued. Yeah. And he, he has that, that old Scott Glenn, like, what are you going to fucking do? You know, I've spent 30 years trying to get the woman I love. You know, I wasn't on the last episode and you guys were throwing Glenn some love. So let me just jump on that Glenn train. You like Glenn train? <laughs> love Scott Glenn. Love Scott he, Glenn. This great. is a guy that could be phoning all of this stuff in. And he, it just seems like he's always giving 110%. And this show is is no exception. Oh, yeah. He is just knocking it out of the park every scene he's in. It's great. Yeah. The, I think it, he's the, amazing. Particularly, there's a scene in this one I will mention later that I love. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a blast. Uh, and I know exactly what scene you're uh, referencing. <laughs> I bet you do. But before we talk about that scene, what happens in this episode? What, what's the gist? What do we get from Filter? our favorite 90s alt-rock band. That's the name of this episode, episode six, Filter. Well, uh, Henry Deaver, our hero. <laughs> our hero, Andre Drummond. <laughs> is uh, is still having some hearing problems. Yeah, he's got some problems there. And I believe... Uh, he finds the source of that problem. He finds the source of that problem. Which is crazy. Well, he's be- well, I guess he buries his father finally. Yeah, finally. And uh, uh, he sees a couple of strangers off to the side with watching, an, with, uh, watching the funeral with an RV. With an RV. Oh, maybe they're <laughs> maybe they're <laughs> their energy. This is a prelude to uh, Doctor Sleep. What if they just had a, a banner on the side of the RV that was just like Doctor Sleep coming twenty twenty? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. The product placement is amazing yeah. on this show. Yeah, especially since I don't think it's... A, oh, no, it is a Warner Brothers property, too. They, should, they could have done it, you know? Well, we, we've got a lot going on in this episode, this actually. This is a lot. Uh, it is a lot. So, yeah. so Hen, that's Henry's trajectory. He, he's he's burying his father. He's His son has shown up. Son Wendell, played, played by, by... Chosen Jacobs. Jacobs, who plays... Mike Hanlon. Mike Hanlon. I love Chosen I'm looking at Mike Hanlon right now, our Funko Pop. He's uh, uh, he's looking a little a lot older these days. He does, and it makes yeah. me wonder how they're going to do these shoots for uh, It Chapter Two because this was filmed way before they started rolling for It Chapter eh, Two. That's so. okay, and they, they'll figure it out. Yeah, I mean you know, they figured movie it out for magic. Hey, you know what? <laughs> if Martin Scorsese can de-age uh, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro uh, r- enough for us to believe it, yeah, for extended periods of time in this new movie, The Irishman, yeah, coming to you on Netflix uh, at some point, uh, <laughs> yeah. 
they can de-age these kids about like uh, you know a, a couple months, six months. You know, Mac, you mentioned Netflix, and you mentioned that The Irishman is coming to Netflix, and I gotta Ooh, say, is it when, not? It, when it, no, it is, it is. Okay. Uh, and I gotta say, one thing I'm also worried about kids getting uh, too old is uh, for season three of uh, Stranger Things oh, coming soon, hang next, it up. next summer on Netflix. Let it go. <laughs> anyway, Henry goes off into the woods. You find some crazy creeps out there. Ruth, she's got some good bonding experiences with Wendell. That's very true. We find some stuff going on there, including how she handles her dementia. Mm-hmm. It is dementia, I want to say. Yeah. After, yeah. What she, yeah. after what she has said. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And then, absolutely. And Molly and Henry have it out. Yep. She uh, makes a, a very major confession. Yeah. And, they, so. and the very important uh, Jackie Torrance uh, is hanging up a sign for Molly outside, I think. Mm-hmm. It seems sense. like she's so on the verge of selling lot. something. She's, they, I know we said that we were... She, they were going to use her a lot in these later episodes, and I'm really happy to see that she's really becoming a huge character. She's got to pay off somehow. She's got to pay off somehow. You don't use Jane Levy, you know, and not have You're saying that now. <laughs> All right. Or yeah, the name yeah. Jack Torrance. No, no, what's funny is that every time you guys say Jackie Torrance, I think you're just talking about Jack Torrance from The Shining, but like <laughs> Mi- like you would say Mikey Myers. Like, oh, oh yeah. It's like, <laughs> little Mikey Myers. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, so there are some other things that are happening around the town, though. Well, there's a looming fire, mm-hmm. uh, wildfire in, in Black Mountain. Yep. Which, God, that sounds like something from Stephen King, doesn't it? It does, but it's not. But I, I, I am racking my brain. If, if, if you listeners out there know that Black Mountain is from a different story that we just cannot recall, definitely let us know. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. As I tried looking it up, and I just, I just, I'm not seeing anything. And yeah. I, you know, I have granted I haven't read all of these books, so I figured some of you guys might know, but... If you don't, then I'm pretty sure that this is just made up and got to give them some credit. They made up a great Stephen King name <laughs> That's true. for this mountain range. That's true. Well, we're leaving out one character, though, that uh, we're going to be talking to in depth in our uh, Heroes and Villains segment. But Alan Pangborn's got some stuff to sort out because, uh, as we saw in the last episode... He's got a he's little got mission. Some, he's got a little grocery list for the kid. You mean, takes, you mean a fucking grocery a list? A fucking grocery <laughs> list. That was a little too abrasive, I think. But yeah, he keeps it low key. Keeps it yeah, low key. That was a little. That was a little too much. But should we just jump into heroes and villains? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Who do we want to start off with first? I mean, the first characters that we do see in this episode is uh, our boy Henry Deaver, as you mentioned. So, but there's a lot to talk about with Henry. So should we start with him or should we start after him? I think we should end with Henry. Yeah. And start with Chosen Jacobs. Chosen Jacobs. Bill, wow. Bill Wendell. Wow. Yeah. I guess he is a good entry point in here. This kid loves his video games. He loves video games. And what kid doesn't, you know? It's like, <laughs> I, I think they really wrote this true to life. Yeah. Uh, he walks off that bus playing that video game, and you're like, oh, here's that, here's a kid. He's that son of a bitch kid again. And that's why I think the, the kid, the character of the kid in this by Bill Skarsgård is, is, is even more creepy because he's not playing any video games. No, he's not. He's not, he's not big on video <laughs> games. And, you know, look, he was up in that attic and I have to imagine that, uh, you know, Henry had, you know, an old Atari console or a Nintendo or something like that. And instead, and I know we're not talking about him yet, but the kid goes and finds some other things up in the attic. But let's go back to Wendell for a second. Uh, I'm getting my, very, myself he, back he, on a he's tangent. He's a bit estranged from his yeah. father. Yeah. His father doesn't seem to visit often. No. When Henry tells Wendell, you know, it's great that you're up here. Your grandmother appreciates it. She, you know, she can't get down to Boston. And he's like, oh, I must run in the family. And it's just 
kind of he's throwing it's some shade to his dad. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but, but rightly so, apparently. Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. I mean, his dad has run off to Texas, uh, and his son is up in Boston. So, you know, you know. I was actually really excited to see that Ruth recognized him, though. Yeah. I, because they, I mean, dementia is not good. My grandmother had it. It's 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 an awful thing, especially yeah. if if you have you know Alzheimer's, and then on top of that, you have dementia. Yeah. It's just uh, it's it's trying. So when she recognized him and was able to actually have some some good moments, and um, you know they had like dinner together and stuff. Uh, and they had that great scene talking about the chess pieces. Yeah, no, which we'll so get great. into obviously. But uh, I was happy. Did those to look see... like the uh, the Harry Potter check chess pieces to you? They're, they're probably not. I was just like, I you know I know King loves Potter, but I'm not sure if they were. You know, they're not. But I think. I, I could be totally wrong, but I think in the film, some of the pieces do look like the Lewis chess pieces. And hmm. I think it's interesting because the, the, the origin of those chess pieces is hot, like very, very, very much debated of mm-hmm. where they're actually from. So I thought it was kind of fitting that they use those pieces in hey, this because we don't know what the hell's going on. Pangborn says that they're, uh, they were carved by Vikings. Well, that's also very interesting because that I think I just read something recently that they were, that I think was the... Nor Norway, there's Norwegian people, uh, a couple of scientists, I believe, that think that they're from Nor- Norway and not from uh, Scotland, I believe. Yeah, well, but our historians will check that out and yeah. get back to us. Well, we're gonna head up to our history department uh, in just a little bit, but uh, for now, what we get with Wendell is he kind of unlocks Ruth a little bit, you know, because for, for right now, you know, up until this point, Ruth has been pretty much a mystery you know we know that she has dementia or she's been suffering from some ailment you know because they've been going to the doctor's offices and we see pangborn take her to the doctor's office in this episode and there's clearly a struggle here that she's trying to deal with because she's still gripping to the reality of the current times and you know let's basically talk about maybe wendell and ruth and tandon yeah you know i think we could talk about ruth right now as well yeah Yeah, absolutely yeah so basically we find out that Ruth is using the chess pieces as breadcrumbs. Right. Wendell realizes there's missing chess pieces, mm-hmm. and it's because she's been leaving them in certain spaces so that when she happens upon them, it's kind of a, a soft reminder to her that she is in the present time. Mm-hmm. and Or maybe not the present time, but the time in which uh, that we're watching Castle Rock. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, for because... all we know, she could be she could be somehow traversing into a future time uh, as well. We don't know. Yeah, I mean, because she says, "I never know where I'm going next." Yeah, which is just and uh... maybe she's and 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 I'm just throwing that future bit out. I, I have no reason to believe that necessarily. But if she if she is experiencing time, much like spoiler alert. Uh, well, I don't want to get into it. I guess you. I don't think you've seen this movie. I won't get into it, but. I think if she's if she's traversing and experiencing time uh, in a in a a way that a Stephen King character might, um, where she's able able to go back and forth between like her mm-hmm. older you know, younger self and whatnot, uh, I think that's very interesting. Yeah, and it's an interesting way that it's allowing the narrative to unfold. You know, because we're getting well, I, yeah. Go I for wonder it, if she'll. Well, I was gonna say I wonder if does she have dementia as a result of doing that or. 
does she not have dementia? And it's just like the result of maybe there's a different Ruth at different times. You know what I mean? Maybe like when we see her forgetting things, it's actually like another Ruth from another dimension. I, I mean, I feel like they'll probably answer that, but th- that maybe. Was and that, that obviously lends itself to some of the things that they are revealed later on in the episode. Yeah. Uh, so that's a very good possibility, Dan. No, it's definitely building towards something, though. Almost like her breadcrumbs, just slowly getting little pieces about uh, her backstory as a human so being. What also, do, what mean. do we also think about her avoidance of Henry's question? I know. Why was my father taking me out to the woods? She yeah. clearly knows why, and it was just totally feigning like she didn't know. Yeah, because That's doesn't she doesn't she play it off as saying, "Ask your father." She does, but I, Ruth's a smart mm-hmm. woman. Yeah, and I think she obviously is, understands the condition that she has. So part of me feels like, well, maybe she just slipped and just thought, "Ask your father," as in like your father's in the next room, like she's having a, a moment, an yeah. episode. But maybe she just said that because she knew he would think that and not press further. Well, it's interesting because I mean, I guess some people could argue that the dementia narrative allows for some of that Abrams esque mystery. Yeah, you mentioned this last episode. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to it that 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 they're kind of doubling down on a little bit more of the the bad robot esque kind of approach to mm-hmm. this show, which I think works really well, especially in this ten episode ten I episode agree. format. Yep. And uh, I I I'm all about that because you know they have to make it their own thing, and honestly, I'm really invested in the mystery of, of this. Yeah. You know. Uh, I think Justin mentioned last episode that, it, it, you know, usually you can kind of be like, okay, I know how the next five episodes are going to roll out. I have zero clue what's going to happen next, you mm-hmm. know? Um, they've, it's been a bit of a slow burn, uh, but I have a feeling there's some... <laughs> by the end of this episode, I have a feeling things are going to start picking up. <laughs> well, I think there's been a structured finesse to how they've been actually unraveling the mystery, unlike with Lost, where they just would add more questions and they add questions in each episode of this but they give so many answers and enough revelations that you don't you aren't so distracted by the new questions you just have them let you just let them kind of simmer for a little bit and that's what i mean i love how they're they're slowly you know drawing out like ruth what's going on with ruth and allowing what's happening to ruth to also kind of inform some of the kind of chaos with the narrative that's going on here and a lot of that chaos is spilled over to the other characters especially your son henry who uh you know like ruth is uh trying to find his own breadcrumbs and you know earlier in the episode we see that the kid is watching these tapes and wearing his father's clothing and in one of the tapes you see the woods he's trying to figure out why his father was filming these videos of him going off into the woods and which is creepy why would he be why would he filming it in the first place you know what i mean yeah like, i guess i mean obviously they were trying to he's trying to find something yeah he i mean that henry can find the way I guess it it just seems weird that he would film it regardless. Even after the revelations that we have at the end of this episode, I still don't understand why he would film it. I think I think he thinks it's it leads somewhere and he wants to capture it on film. Well, I think that there's more there's something out there that he thinks is out there and that Henry somehow can lead him to it. And I think that that's yeah. doubled down by the yeah. end of the episode. Oh yeah. And we know that, uh, as we just mentioned before, Ruth doesn't know anything, or as maybe it's deflecting it. Yeah, she might be deflecting. She could be deflecting it. Uh, and Molly doesn't really know much either. Molly, Molly seems to, well, she, she confirms that she felt everything that he felt when Mm -hmm. he was out there yeah, and that what he, she felt was that he was intensely, uh, uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden relieved. So it suggests that either Henry disappeared and then 
from the or that the father left and that he he was relieved because he was gone or it could also mean that maybe he's the one that pushed him yeah so we don't know because again molly's yeah. only feeling what he feels and doesn't it can't actually see what's what's happening but molly does confirm that she did know that he went out into those woods. Yes. So what he's seeing on those tapes is not some uh, fan footage shot by the kid himself. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it is real, legit, early '90s, late '80s uh, footage that the, they're the seeing kid's there. Part of the uh, Hawkins AV Club. Uh, yeah. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. Look. So, so right after this scene, Henry decides. He says he's he's got some good news and decides to take the kid. To one Juniper Hills. Oh yeah, and, he's got uh, some good news for the kid. As, he's like, I, I know, we're right? getting that, him out of here. I, that's what I thought. I was like, I was like, that's good news for you. Well, not because for the this kid's kid. like creeping out the whole family, walking around like Michael Myers outside the, <laughs> the, the, the 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 lawn, which honestly is probably his intention. I mean, literally everything he yeah, does yeah. has some sort of intent yeah, to it. Absolutely, but, I think he purposely is wearing that suit. I mean, it's it's all very creepy, and I'm, I'm sure it's all going to come around. Yeah. But yeah, so he takes him takes him to Juniper Hills to to I guess he says to help him find who he used to be. No, he's and, just like get and the hell help out him out. <laughs> and of course, as we know and was mentioned in the last episode, Juniper Hills is where Henry Bowers is committed mm. to mm-hmm. in it. So that was a really cool uh, little throwback to yeah. uh, to that novel. And I wonder if they're going to use uh, that same set for it chapter two. It would be interesting. Oh, that that would be really interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. That, yeah. Uh, so but yeah, so the, thinks, the kid's out of the picture. Yeah, he seemingly. thinks the kid's out of the picture. <laughs> yeah, he thinks the kid is is at the, the facility where he is for a while. Yeah, but then uh, was it Sheriff Pangborn? Is he in the car? And he yeah. he's in the car, and we hear like a radio transmission about right. uh, there being like a fire at Juniper Hill, and uh, a bunch of people have gotten killed. And I've got so, it here. It was eight members. Yeah. And six patients, I believe, are mm-hmm. were killed or murdered or something well, in, it, yeah, it in a fire them. that was started at Juniper Hills. And so we obviously were thinking, oh, God, you know, this kid obviously involved in that. And maybe he's not there anymore. Yeah. And he's not. He's definitely <laughs> <Spoiler> not. <alert. laughs> uh, but it doesn't matter because guess what? Henry's got a mission. And uh, now that he's got a chip on his shoulder and tells Molly off uh, after Molly confesses that... Uh, she basically killed, killed his, his father, <laughs> which is nuts. Um, it's nuts how that came out for sure. Yeah, yeah. But because um, he's just looking for answers, and he gets some answers. But yeah. you know, do we think that it was still her that killed him? I mean, it was absolutely her physically, mm-hmm. and I think that, like she said earlier on, and, and I, I mentioned this, she says that when he's around, she she gets lost in him. Mm-hmm. So I think she was overwhelmingly feeling his pain and his need or want to hurt his father. Yeah. Now, I don't, again, this is muddy because I don't know if it's real, if it was really him or some other thing at work, uh, pretending to be him or, or, or controlling him. And she's feeling that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so I don't know. It's, 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 it's all strange. very convoluted and mysterious, which it's great. It needs to be because it's yeah. only episode six, you know, um, then, they're still leaving a little shroud of mystery there, which I like. But is this like, do we think that this is a quid pro quo thing where like he's able to, he just doesn't even know that he's able to control her and, or does she just, he, he's not, I mean, he, I think that he is feeling and thinking these things and she is just so empowered is acting by it. on it. Cause she's, she is, I mean, she's just getting lost in him That's interesting. And, and almost, you know, I don't think that he realizes he's doing any of this. Yeah. I don't think that he thinks that he did any, of it. he might've thought about it really intensely or something. 
and then not realizing that she's channeling that and actually yeah. doing or, or that what he's seeing or thinking is actually what she's doing yeah so it's, it's all very tied together and i think it's 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 very in, their their psychic connection is so interesting to me yeah it's well, well she's, she's almost more like an empath or something you know because yes, she's yes. not it's not like she's like a mind reader she yeah it's, it's almost exactly. like she can't it's almost like uncontrollable how she, she attaches to his feelings and, and perhaps other, other people's feelings too. Well, Henry obviously leaves Molly. Yeah. And well, let's go back to him in a little bit. Okay. Uh, let's, let's talk about Pangborn. Pangborn's on a mission. He is on a mission. Why is he on a mission? So at the end of the last episode, the kid has said, you know, basically he's going to help Ruth. Mm-hmm. So he needed some, some items, I guess. So yeah. one of the items, I guess, was, was Lacey's car. Yeah. So, so he goes to the impound and I, guys... I was waiting for two things in this sequence. Yeah. Christine. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And Cujo. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why Cujo. Or uh, I was always looking for that Cujo. Well, Do- Uncle Otto's truck. <laughs> or, oh, that would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hey, so, technically Uncle Otto's truck is just still out there in the field, isn't it? That's true. Oh, so, that's true. I was looking for Christine viciously on this because, know. you know, look. There's a red car, but it's definitely not Christine. Yeah, and there are parts of it. So, ah, eh, whatever. That could, we could talk about that in Kingston Minion. <laughs> yeah. But basically, he heads out to the junkyard. Pangborn finds himself in Legend of Zelda or any RPG now at this point because he's trying to find items. But he... Uh, that little fairy is dancing on the car <laughs> yeah. and says, hey, listen, listen. <laughs> <laughs> and he like, and uh, Pangborn pulls out an oak arena and just starts yeah, what, playing it. What the um, fuck is playing this the theme <laughs> the ca- Playing the theme of the Castle Rock. Yeah, right? Uh, oh my God. But that's, that's the scene I was talking about with Pangborn yeah. where he just pulls that gun on that. <laughs> I love that. that oh, that's man. what he's like. This car belongs to Fat Tony. What does Pangborn say? He says, you know, the woman I love is dying and I'm going to fucking take this car. So she's like, I well, he's know, like, this piece of shit is mine now. Yeah, yeah. I oh, <laughs> love it. Love it. It's said so nonchalantly, too. It's well, it's, it's so great perfect. because he and he goes in and then he gives up and goes back to his car. And then he's like, ah, fuck this. I'm going to I'm going to look one more time. And then he actually finds the car finally. Um, so, yeah. So Pangborn. He's basically sent out of town, I think, for a reason, though. Absolutely. We find out why. Well, Payborn comes home, but not before we see the kid mm-hmm. who is broken out of Juniper Hills show up at the Diva residence. Yeah. Again. And uh, she is. Ruth is in the house. Yeah. And she's dropped her pills everywhere. She's dropped her pills. It's a mess. It's, it, it's a mess. I would lose my mind if I had dropped all my vitamins and pills on the ground like this. I would just give up. And the kid uh, shows up. Now, the way she looks at him, it doesn't seem as if... I feel like she's kind of having her own sort of like... There's like a, another episode or some sort of thing. You think that she, she maybe recognizes I, him? I think she sees someone else because what if she, whatever he's wearing. Oh, maybe she thinks it's, it's her husband come home. Yeah. Interesting. I did not think about that. It's Which would also be another reason why she would just let him like come in like that. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, he I kind mean, of just happens upon her, but yeah. Well, something clearly happens because I know when Painborn comes back, it looks like like that scene in Pet Cemetery when uh, Lewis Creed walks into the Crandall house and the whole place is turned into this fucking Evil <laughs> Dead Two set. Um, <laughs> you know, I I thought that's I thought the closing scene with uh, Painborn coming in looking for Ruth. And just leaving the kid on the stairs, and then that stare that Skarsgård gives, and his right hand, I believe, is just just bleeding, just bloody. Yeah, and we don't know if it's his blood or Ruth's blood, or, or you know, Christ, Deaver's kids in the house probably still, right? Mm-hmm. Could be him. We don't yeah. know, which yeah. is great. 
There's a little mystery there. But the kid says to Pangborn that, why did you leave me in that trunk? Mm -hmm. And that basically, like, you're going to get what's coming to you in in a sense. So he sent him on this fool's errand just so that he could get Ruth alone. That's what it seems like. Yeah. So I'm very interested in seeing what happens in this next episode. Um, Yeah, because he he also mentions that, you know, the... It's gonna be like a memorial. It's gonna be, there will be a monument for Warden Lacey. That's right. Yeah, oh, the, the car. Yeah. He says the car is gonna be a monument. Yeah, and then he, but then he like gets salty with with Pangborn about why did you leave me in that that car, Sheriff? Which was I, I don't know. Do you guys think that? Don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of the kid and everything. Are you getting a little tired though of just the kind of the mixing of the oh is he good or is he isn't he and just like the him disappearing popping up at places like I, I kind of do want like a little bit of a, of an answer for that I, I don't know if you guys feel the same well, way. Well, I think I mean I think we're gonna definitely get some kind of answer in this next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I would say I would be getting weary of it if they don't give us an answer in this next episode because <laughs> <laughs> yes. I felt like that really worked the mislead at the end of this or during this episode where you think that maybe he is helping all of them. In a weird way, in mm-hmm. his own weird kid way, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then for him to all of a sudden, for Pangborn to realize he's been duped, or possibly duped, and and to go into that house thinking Ruth may might be hurt, she yeah. might be dead for yeah. all he knows, is very scary. And it's the woman, it's he's doing all this for her, so it's yeah. just like and and, and, and all for you. And but yeah, I know, right? And when he realizes though, because when he see when the kid says, "Why did you leave me in that trunk?" I think he realizes. Well, you know, like he says, why did you need the car? And he says it'd be a monument, but like maybe it was just to get him out of there. So I, I think don't it know. was. It's, yeah. yeah, I think absolutely that that he just was trying to get him out of town. I think that he showed Henry those tapes because he knew that Henry would leave and go investigate that. And whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing remains to be seen, uh, which brings us to Henry in the Woods. What's going on with Henry in the Woods? He doesn't find uh, three little pigs. He does not. <laughs> He finds one, uh, one little Culkin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, baby Culkin. Rory Culkin. Two very interesting characters are found in the woods. We've got Odin Branch. Odin Branch. Who, which is funny because he's, uh, he's under branches. Uh, that's true. <laughs> wow. And he's in the forest. <laughs> and we have Willie. Does he have a last name? Or do we just know him just as Willie? Just Willie. And he talks Willie, to third person. who is one of the Culkin brothers. Mm-hmm. And he... Willie serves as uh, Odin's interpreter mm-hmm. uh, because when we first meet him, we realize that he cannot, he can speak a little bit, but um, that he is deaf and can read lips if, if purposely spoken. So he starts asking him some questions like, you know, why are you out here? What are you doing? And um, another little thing we should mention at the top of this is that uh, Willie pulls out a hot poker. There's two hot pokers mm-hmm. sitting in the fireplace. Yeah. And he pulls out the poker and kind of goes at him, and uh, you know Odin stops it. Uh, and then we have probably the most information we've ever received in an yes. episode, which is it could be just like vomit, where you know just yeah. a total vomit. But like it, it it's very. I, I was totally interested. The whole oh time. yeah, it felt very Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah. So we find out that Odin Branch used to know Henry's father mm-hmm. really very well. well. Very well, yeah. And that they used to go out to these woods because they, they, they hear something in the woods. Mm-hmm. And in some places it's stronger, in some places it's not as strong. And that, they've, that Henry's father had the idea to build a machine that would isolate this noise. Am yeah. I right? Am I on the right track? Yeah, no, you are. Yeah. And that Odin branch, that he would never be able to do it, but Odin 
and Willie were able to create this this machine of sorts mm-hmm. that seemingly is housed in their RV. Yeah. So we go into the RV to check it out, and it's basically, I mean, it's, our, our studio. <laughs> yeah, right. I wish. God, could you imagine if you could oh, record if we had in there? The soundproofing of uh, of the machine, um, which is uh, which they call the filter. Yeah. Which is also... The title of the episode. Oh, hey, what do you know? Well, you know, it's interesting because when Henry first arrives, he's like, I'm surprised you didn't bury your father here. This was his church. So... Like those woods, like where the sound was. So that would explain why he was always brought out there, because if there was some sort of like... I don't know. Some maybe they're hanging out and doing church together. Or trying or like to that. find the source of this this noise. Yeah, and I like that he mentions that the noise. Some people can't unhear it. Some people lose their hearing or go crazy, like hearing this this noise. Uh, and that some people, and he says that they're lucky to have heard it. Um, so they seem to be like championing this this noise or or worshiping it in some strange way. And this is a smart guy. Yeah. I mean, he has uh, degrees, right? Yeah. He has advanced degrees in bio and psychoacoustics. So it's, it's very, very uh, interesting. (laughs) The (laughs) amount of information this, this gentleman knows and decides to tell Henry and thinks that he wants Henry to go into this machine. Here's some lines that I, that I wrote down. Okay. And this reminded me very much of Danny Torrance and Halloran. When they start talking about the shine, just the way that like he says, like most people can't hear it at all. Some hear it once and never again. A lucky few hear it constantly, practically deafened by it. That sort of economy of saying that only a select few have it made me feel like the shining a little yeah, bit. But it's not bit. that. I know that's not but that. It, it's but a, it's a fun little allusion yeah. to that though. An idea, the idea. But he says, your father called it the voice of God. That's interesting. And then he said it was also, quiet in some places and much louder in others. Mm-hmm. Ancients called it the music of the spheres. Of course, I have a more scientific word for it. The, the schisma? The, the schisma? I think it's the, the schisma. Schisma. The schisma. <laughs> he says, this is interesting. So schisma is metal caused by quantum totalities unbraided in parallel over years, over nows, all possible paths, all possible presence. Schisma is the sound of the universe trying to reconcile them. And I, we're going to have a lot to talk about in uh, King's Dominion with that line. <laughs> no joke. Seriously. Basically says, for some listeners, schisma sounds like a ringing in the ears. You ever have that, Henry? And Henry obviously is like, no shit, I do. The sound may come and go, but the, but the schisma is, re- is eternal. I'm just going to keep saying it differently every time. You should right. say schism by tool. Ooh, schism. Yeah, that's, what, that's what I, honestly, that's where my, right where my mind went to when I heard it. Schism is eternal and everywhere underlying all space time, but has been getting louder. It hasn't risen to these levels in decades. Problem is, no matter how strong the signal, the world is noise. It's an auditory distraction. Those who hear the schisma have to amplify it, which is why he has the filter. Right. Um, And that's a creepy scene. It kind of reminds me of Silence of the Lambs or something like that. It is a little strange. I mean, it's just like the situation where you're you're finally getting all these answers, but like how... How do we trust this guy? I know. You know, like, the, how far do we throw? So it's so when he wants him to go into the filter, you're, and he's like, I'm not going in there. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I felt like the same way. I was like, <laughs> yeah, don't when, go in. Yeah. And then, of course, in chatting, he decides to to check it out. Yeah. And right before, it, right before that door shuts on him in there, he says, he mentions that they're going to correct uh, uh, Willie's uh, basically situation. Because he's also hearing the noise 
and that the, that Odin was hearing this noise so much so that they took those pokers, I believe, and t- burned Ooh. out his ears. His ears. I didn't think about that. That's uh... so that he oh yeah, that's wouldn't, a good point, so yeah. that he wouldn't hear it. And I think that's why they have those pokers burning because they're going to do that to Willie. Oh God. Um, which is another huge thing. I can't wait to talk about in King's Dominion. So that was really, really disturbing. And then he shuts that door on Henry and then shit hits the fan because yeah. Henry starts hearing that noise and just that noise. Yeah. And he has crazy flashbacks and that look some like something from uh, Fallen. You remember that movie? <laughs> it does look, it does <laughs> it look like, like that. Washington and yeah. John yeah, Pleased yeah. to meet you. Uh, the- so I, I, I watched this scene a few times and I tried pausing it a bunch. There's... Mm-hmm. What seemed like bloody hands, which is interesting if you, because at the end of the episode with the bloody arm that yeah. Bill has, and then Bill the kid, uh, Billy the kid, uh, and Bill Dembro. <laughs> no. And Henry, also, there, there seems to be a, a sequence where you see uh, Henry's hand running across the ground, but then also someone else's hand with a with a little toy truck. Like Which, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But that was also in the episode when he was starting to have flashbacks uh, that led him to the barber house. Right. You know. Right. Um, so so these things are being obviously amplified, mm-hmm. as Odin said. Yeah. Um, whether or not this room is actually working or, or if it was just a placebo effect and Henry is now channeling this because he believes that it's working. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. You know, Odin says what we hear now is just a rumor. And then what you'll hear in the filter is truth. I love that line. Yeah. So I'm hoping you get some truth because uh, this is episode six. We got seven, eight, nine, ten. We got four more to go. I know. This is we got to get some answers from Henry. Uh, and this seems well, to be a real big jump. For yeah. Henry. <laughs> but something also Odin mentions is that this this gizma or whatever is could could also hold all possible pasts and presence, which to me is is very similar to what Ruth was talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. In terms of how she perceives time right mm-hmm. now. So that was really interesting to me. And that also could be a reason why if she started to be affected by this and started to see things in that way, maybe that's why her husband was out there in the woods trying to find a way to understand it and to, to help her. Yeah. So maybe we think he's this villain that, you know, Henry killed, or maybe he was doing something awful to Henry. But maybe he was out there to help Ruth. Uh, I mean, that's just a total, you know, rumor. I mean, no, I, but I mean, I, 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 a I'm rumor. Starting, no, I'm starting, a theory. I'm starting a, that theory. Sorry. Yeah, that, you're that going rumor. at that theory. I'm starting that rumor now. You've heard it from me directly. <laughs> we should just lie to listeners and be like, hey, listen, we got the inside scoop from the writers. <laughs> yeah, this is they, what all this means. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting when you look back on that line with Ruth now, the more I think about it. And, yeah. and hey, I've yeah. actually seen the next few episodes and it's actually, that's like kind of like an interesting revelation. Cool. Yeah, Caffrey, what do you what do you got on these here and villains? Got anything else to add to these guys? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, Gals. it's I don't know. It's weird. I mean, maybe this is more for King Dominion, but seeing these two guys before we heard their names, I was convinced they were going to be one of the the breakers that we meet in the Dark Tower series, just because they reminded me a lot of that. Oh, Even yeah, though the yeah. stuff they were saying isn't like exactly along that line, but just kind of these like out of place people in the woods. Um, that, I guess what I'm saying is I, uh, I think they are uh, not quite what they seem uh, as oh. we'll, we'll probably discover. Well, I'm hearing a ringing and it's not coming from the filter. I think I got the shine and we're going to shining moments. I can remember when I was a little boy, my grandmother and I could hold conversations entirely without ever opening our mouths. She called it shiny. And for a long 
long time. I thought it was just the two of us that had the shine to us. Just like you probably thought you was the only one. But there are other folks, though mostly they don't know it or don't believe it. All right. Now that we've really broken down this plot as much as we can and really gotten into the nitty gritty of the characters, let's have some fun and talk about things we've loved in this episode. And uh, Caffrey, we didn't get to hear much from you uh, in that last section. So why don't you go first? Sure. Yeah. I mean, for me, the the biggest shining moment of the episode was actually that door shutting when he's in the filter. That was really creepy to me, just this idea that either this guy, whatever power or ability he has, he was... He was he was he was fine enough going deaf for it, or the other idea is that he's not deaf at all. It's actually something else, you know. So that I don't know, that was just really really disturbing to me. And I thought I actually thought that's where they should have ended the episode. Like I don't know, I, I I like where we go back to the house and we see all that, but that to me seemed like the kind of the the sort of centerpiece of the whole show. So I don't know, that was my personal favorite. But uh, what about you guys? Personally, I think the best moments in this honestly it was that whole thing i i thought i thought it was i was just yeah. enamored with it yeah of course i also love pangborn but we've talked about that yeah. a bit <laughs> no well, but they could have mishandled this scene you know it's such a departure from the grounded narrative that we've been having up to this point that it, i mean that's i mentioned twin peaks before but it really does remind me of that episode when cooper is brought in with to the bookhouse boys yeah, and yeah. like there are things that are in the, these woods, you know. And well, like, I will also say this: that whole sequence in finding the RV out in the woods, it's a little. It felt a little familiar, and I think it's just because of um, season two of The Leftovers. Uh, Justin Thoreau's character also goes out into the woods and finds uh, an, an, an older black man and talks to him in this in like a, a, a trail, basically. <laughs> so I was thinking that as well, and and this in this. Also, this device, the filter, also kind of reminded me of a device in that show. Oh, really? But, I mean, it's it's very loose. It's very loose. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and I think also with, with, the reason why I enjoyed that sequence so much is because, uh, and I talked about this earlier, the episode was so much, like you guys are saying, about breadcrumbs and finding things. And it was a lot of sort of being, people being led by unknown forces. And so I think it was satisfying for me to get some, I mean, they're not answers because they're sort of introducing like, a new wrinkle to the plot, but we at least hear about something and we get an explanation of what it is and we know it's going to play into the overall uh, scheme of things. So I think it just like felt satisfying narratively for me um, after, you know, because it was at the tail end of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's for me, I, I got to go with, uh, I got to go with Skarsgård on this one. Oh yeah. You know, I've mentioned multiple times now on this podcast about how creepy he is and how I think he's <laughs> far more terrifying here than he is in it. But that last shot of him and his eyes just going wide, it's just, he's so good. He is the Russ Cole of this series for me, where I am just, in Russ Cole's reference to True Detective season one, mm-hmm, Matthew mm-hmm. McConaughey's character, where I am just, he's just so magnetic. I, I just keep, I want to know what he's doing next. I want to see where he is at all times. I'm just always attracted to what he's doing. And that's why I love that, you know, in the last episode, when he goes to uh, you know Gordy's house, uh, Gordy's birthday, birthday surprise, yeah, Gordy's birthday surprise, and <laughs> he is the surprise. And uh, unfortunately, he forgot his clown suit for the birthday party. But uh, you know, but I I could have watched like a whole episode of that. That's true. And and for me, it's just 
he's just he's just on fire in this series. And I also want to give a little shout out to the Ruth Deaver scene mm, where she's yeah. talking about the chess pieces. Love that, that was scene. a great, great sequence. Yeah. And um God, it's just so good. This this, this cast is I so know. solid. The cast is amazing. And you know, they could be sitting there reading the phone book. Yeah. I also do want to give a shout out to CJ Jones, who played Odin. Oded Branch. Oh, yeah. Excellent. You might actually recognize him from Baby Driver. He was in Edgar Wright's Baby Driver oh, last year. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, oh, is he uh, Baby Driver's mentor? Like the guy you lived with? Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah. very cool. Is he yeah. deaf in real life then? I'm guessing. Yes, he is. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's even better. It's mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. That's awesome. I like that. Yeah. So, yeah, he's really good. He was, man, he was giving his all in that performance. I mean, he was you know? great. And like that, the part when he finally does talk in that one sequence is so, it's chilling. It's really chilling. Yeah. And speaking of chilling. Yes. I'm sorry, folks, but I've brought us to the cemetery. What's the bottom of the truth? Well, sometimes that is better. The person you put up there ain't the person that comes back. It may look like that person, but it ain't that person. Because whatever lives in the ground beyond that cemetery ain't human. Oh. Ooh, I've got the chills already. I have the chills because this episode has got some very terrifying moments in it. Can uh, I start this off? Yeah, kick it off. One early terrifying moment mm-hmm. is when Molly sees the priest in the yes. window. <laughs> that sequence scared the shit out of me. I, I mean, oh my god, this priest with the bandaged head is it's so creepy you know what it reminds me of it actually reminds me of michael myers yes in halloween uh, 4 yes when before he puts the mask on he's just got the bandaged head and he's oh, in the yeah. outfit yeah yeah i uh, actually think decker from nightbreed that's that's what he's oh been yeah you know it really does yeah that and also you know to go back to the classics the invisible man mm-hmm. uh very creepy and just the thing that's the most creepy about this scene is that he's just standing there yeah and now, she goes for her pills, but does she realize that she only has so many and she decides to still not, to just not take them? Is that I what I think happens? that's what it is, yeah. That's also an interesting Because yeah, uh, as someone who's, who's been uh, limited to 10 Xanaxes every other month, and I have to call my doctor, I do uh, ration them a little bit. I'm like, do I really need this right now? Well, I'll stick to the Zoloft. I'm just glad that you're not seeing scary priests outside your window. I'm not yet. <laughs> and if I priest. do, that would call back to all those years spent at Catholic school where we had real monsters like pedophile principals who were kicked out of the school <laughs> oh, two months geez. into my uh, time there. Fun times wow. at the Catholic church. But for me, <laughs> not going to... other not, scary moments Scary moments for me uh, <laughs> other than my memories were... Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, Micah, that's your real life. That, was <laughs> that is real life. Um, I'm Ruth over here. I need my chess pieces. But no, um, <laughs> I... I thought again, not to. Oh God, I'm going to sound like such a little Scarsgard fanboy over here. No, but no, please. I loved it when he was standing in that in that yard. I thought that was so scary. Uh, yeah, and yeah. it just it's just in it's the unnerving. way that she says like I could have sworn we buried him in that suit. It sounded it, that's so Lynchian. It like sounded it felt like something like from like Blue Velvet. And the way he's just kind of wandering around the the yard reminded me of like when Dorothy Valens is wandering around the yard nude in in the ending of Blue Velvet. Like there's just something really eerie and surreal about it being bright outside everyone's just, they're about to make lunch it's like a really nice scene and then all of a sudden boom like oh yeah i forgot we're in castle rock and this is terrifying so that scene scared the hell out of me but um, yeah no i i i'm i'm hard pressed there wasn't anything else in the episode there was just a lot of reveals and a lot of discovery and a lot of journeys but in terms of scary i mean the ending sequence is pretty damn yeah the, the oh absolutely like the blood yeah. and the and just 
and, and we and we don't really know what's going on inside the house yet, you know. Yeah, so it's right. just good cliffhanger, even though I thought the um, you know the deaf guy would have been the better one. Yeah, the blue box. You just like those blue box blues. Yeah, I got those blue box blues. If Daddy wants to please me, <laughs> he's only got to read me misery. She she died. She just slipped away. Slipped away. Slipped away. She didn't just slip away. You did it. 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 You murdered my misery. This section has proven very difficult for all of us over the last uh, five times we've talked about this, or four, or three, actually. And this is just things that didn't quite work for us mm-hmm. in the episode? Yeah, things that we didn't like uh, in the episode. And Caffrey, mm. you've already uh, aired your grievances about the ending. I mean, it's tough. I mean, I said this the last time I was on. It's just that I, I feel I feel like it's it's so hard to look at the what I perceive to be feet dragging a little bit on the show until I know what's going to happen. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like I said, I love Bill Skarsgård. I thought the ending was still creepy, but I, I just feel like we've gotten a lot of all right. I'm going to take you to this place now, and you better stay here. And then he like shows up and get you know like no one why anyone on the show thinks they can keep him contained is beyond me at this point. I just feel like they keep using that story beat a bit. So like, I feel like I just want something else to happen uh, with his character. And yeah, I I felt, I agree. I felt his move to Juniper Hill was, was kind of unnecessary in this episode. Yeah. It felt like it, like, cause he just, he's just right back where he started. And I don't know, maybe Mm -hmm. we'll see something really cool at Juniper Hill because it, it, it has appeared in it, you know, that, it right. would be neat to see the inside and what exactly happened there. And who, I, I honestly, I know we have screeners. I have not watched past this episode, so maybe we will get that. But yeah, it just seems it seems like kind of a skipped or like a redundant story. You know, yeah. It to me that and and again, that's the thing with this show is that we could pick it apart as much as we want, but this is clearly like one entity. Mm-hmm. Like it, it really rides on the next four episodes delivering. Because if they don't deliver, then you could go back and just and yeah. you could easily tear all this apart and just, and see it as them just dragging and not really and just kind of spinning their wheels. Yeah. So right now, I'm still very interested. I'm still <laughs> yeah. you know there's not there's not a lot that's not working for me, except a couple of things like they just don't seem to know what to do with Jackie yet. So I'm hoping we get more of her again in the next few episodes. Well, to be fair, we got We had some with her last week. Yeah, that's true. She was in a decent bit of it and we got some crazy history with her. Yeah. Uh, but, and also I thought was interesting is that they introduced the fact that uh, Molly and Henry, I think slept together, mm-hmm. but they didn't, I mean, they didn't have to go into that necessarily, but no. they really just kind of, Beth it in the dust. Yeah. Uh, and now, granted, I'm sure they'll hopefully bring something of that nature back up. Or maybe it was just that one night. And that's a little bit more realistic, I guess, in a sense. But I don't know. I don't know. So there, I, 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 see, I'm reaching here. Not even things that happen. In this I know. Episode. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> this I is a very really difficult like. section. I was very interested all the way through. I I didn't think that there wasn't there wasn't anything that really didn't work for me in this yeah. episode outright. Yeah. Um. I do agree, and I think that I will say the Juniper Hill thing, if only because this is I've seen this episode twice, and I think it's telling that when we were doing the recap, I totally forgot that they he brings them to Juniper Hill because it's such an afterthought because it doesn't do anything. Well, he just I, escapes yeah. anyway, and so I, it's and like, I didn't what's the mind, point? Part of me, 
part of me didn't mind that. I liked that all we hear is just on the radio. That yeah. Oh, I happened. love that too. Like that's cool. Yeah. And that, that, you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, Godzilla. Yeah. Where their first encounter in the new Godzilla, Godzilla movie when it just cuts to the news and we see it like some of it on the news in the background mm-hmm. with no sound. Uh, you know, it was just kind of like that little bit of uh, it's natural details. Something. Yeah. Uh, and, and also something to just bring up. Uh, the fire is still out there. Mm-hmm. Molly mentions it at some point. I just like that that's looming out there. Yeah. And see, I'm talking about things I like in Misery. I know. <laughs> there just isn't a lot in this episode that I felt didn't work. Well, I'll tell you stuff that does work. Ka. Ka the works because Ka? Ka is a wheel. And we are about <laughs> to enter into King's Dominion. There's another world out there. I know there is. Well, as we all know, uh, the wheel is one of the most, uh, uh, the one, probably the greatest invention of mankind's ever come up with, and uh, one of them. Ka is a wheel, and there, there happens to be a lot of, uh, honestly, not a lot of King's Dominion, but, no. but one big, big, big giant piece of King's Dominion that stuck out to me, and that is the schisma. Yeah, <laughs> clear. I mean, it's got to be. And now we haven't had any confirmation on this. This is all totally you speculation. Know, a speculation. It's got to be the Athene, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's. I just the way they described it. Although they weren't saying Athene, they weren't talking about beams and whatever else. I think it is like it's got to be proof that there is a macroverse on the show, and and also given what Ruth has been saying too, like that all ties into the philosophy of or the theory of a macroverse, which like unites the entire Sim King universe, right? right. I mean, that's got to be it. Odin's yeah, possible pasts and presence, and you know. All of that stuff, and as we know, and 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 for those of you who are just listening to this Castle Rock um, section of our podcast, Athene is a weak point between universes mm-hmm. where one can either traverse through time or uh, a plane of existence to another um, possible uh, Earth, I guess, or yeah. or realm. Uh, it's a multiverse. It it's also has yeah yeah, and it's also described in some of the Dartar books as. Uh, a strange, a strange sound yeah. emanates from these weak points. Uh, it sounds like it's almost trying to sing, which is very reminiscent of what we're hearing yes. in, this, in this. There's well, a something moment, that you predicted like multiple episodes. And ago. I think, I mean, I'm just a big tower head, so you I'm looking, I'm looking for those thinnies yeah. every chance I get. And the thing is, with this as well, the whole idea of having to put something in your ears or burn out your ears so that you don't have to hear this because when you're that close to it. Uh, I mean, there's a sequence in the wastelands where they go through Athene to another realm, uh, not to get too spoilerific, but they they, they stuff uh, bullet mm-hmm. shells in their ears to drown out the sound. And it's just, this is all just so reminiscent of that. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? If they don't come right out and say that it's a thinny, that's fine. Yeah. King fans can believe whatever they want. Exactly. And we're going to think that that's, it's generally something along those lines. Totally. I mean, it's also the fact that it's taking place in the woods and the mountains it's very the mist kind yeah. of like like breakthrough. Uh, yeah, I just and and the fact that this fire's on the way mm-hmm. that feels like maybe that's something that's, that's coming, coming out, out of, of it. a thinny that maybe broke or something. I don't know. And, and this is all speculation, but I love that we can speculate in this way about uh, other king properties bleeding into this universe. And Mac, what? 
I think that speculation is key. Unless, Caffrey, do you have some other King's Dominion that you want to go I, into? I had, I had a couple. Uh, one, one, one thing I did want to say, too, is that even within Stephen King books, uh, a, a big thing is using different terms um, depending on where you are. You know what I mean? And oh, even yes, it, yes. Like in it, Pennywise has lots of different names. Exactly, um, yeah. They, they, they use different names for all world and mid world and all that stuff. So I, I'm. I'm totally on board with what like Randall flag has been multiple yeah. things. I mean, oh, yeah. well, okay. whether or not they actually say that like the schisma is, is just as to me, that's another word for the thinny. Yeah. Whether they can say that, or maybe they don't actually they own the, rights. the rights or something. That's, that's fine. Because, yeah. because like Dan said, in, in a lot of books in whatever world you might be in, they, they explain these things in different ways and call them different things. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. But we, as fans know deep down. And again, the great thing about this is, you don't have to know any of this no. to still enjoy what's happening on the show, you know, yeah. you could be, because they explain what it is. Yeah. And if you, that's all you know it as, that's fine. You don't need to know that it's in any other books or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, which is, is, it's really cool. I think it's a great connective tissue to some of the other ideas of, of the King universe. Um, yeah, it's just, I, I was thrilled I was, uh... when all that was happening. <laughs> I was also wondering, I, I don't think this is the case, but uh, when they're in the garage and I saw a bike, I was like, ooh, is that silver? But I, I don't think oh, it I was. Oh, I thought the same thing. That, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and I wasn't on this episode, but when the kid is playing the piano, mm-hmm. I had a, I had a, a little I had a little room 237. So when we get there, and are we there? I think we're there already. I think a lot of things happen right here in this particular hotel over the years. And not all of them was good. What about room 237? Room 237? So now we're in room 237. It's a little creepy in here. I feel like there might be a ghost in the bathtub. Well, I'm going to take a bath in a second. Uh, in the sequence where the kid's playing the piano, there is a stuffed raccoon. And is that Oi? Oh, my Lord. Oh, my oh God. Yeah, no, it's definitely Oi. Um, I thought you were going to say something like, uh, oh, uh, when he's playing piano, is that is that Ferdelise, which we hear in It, or something? Like something oh, it? yeah, no, that's, no, that no. actually would have been an interesting thing. Yeah, I don't think that. it was, but like, yeah, no. but the Oi, Oi. But I do think it's Oi. Uh, also, <laughs> <laughs> I think in a prior episode, too, and I might have mentioned this already, that there was a there was a, uh, a statue of a bear, and I thought it was Shardick. <laughs> <laughs> do you think I, that I maybe, like, Matthew wonder. Deaver went through the thinny and grabbed all these little cool oddities that they that he found in the Wastelands and Midworld and then brought him back and then put him in his attic i think he that could just be like uh well, he just went in there and killed all the animals and then, and then taxidermed them and then yeah <laughs> brought them back he's like look at this dead bear with that weird robot on its head i'm gonna take him back with me to this thinny <laughs> well we're talking about really strange and weird theories but uh a theory that's a little bit has a little bit more probably uh grit to it is i think that story that bill told them at the beginning is that he is in fact not from this world mm-hmm. that he is from this thinny I still maintain that. Oh, you mean Henry, uh, Skarsgård? Yeah, the kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the kid. Sorry, Billy the kid. Uh, I still maintain that Henry found the source of this thingy, and that's how he disappeared. And then when he, and and then it that's makes total cool. sense because you know when Pangborn finds him, he hears that noise, mm-hmm. and then you see Henry show up on the ice. And I think that maybe maybe this thingy is just centrally located over the Castle Lake, so that you can only reach it when it's frozen over. I don't know. That's my that's my take on that. Um, I I just I'm excited. I'm just too excited about thinnies and theories. 
I've, uh, I, I actually, I, maybe this isn't like that far fetched. When the way Ruth was talking about like her dementia and and different times and everything, it yeah. reminded me a lot of Mrs. Todd's shortcut in Skeleton yeah. Crew. Um, which I think I think the idea is also that Mrs. Talking about different names from different things, I, I think the idea is that Mrs. Todd is able to like find affinity into other dimensions too. You know, like that's and that's she gets younger. Yeah, exactly. So that that's why I was reminded of. I actually I, I had to rewind it and I found out this isn't what he said, but when when the door shuts on Henry and you see that flash of memories, I thought he was, because remember how I mentioned, I mentioned the Wendigo like a few weeks yeah. ago, that maybe, like that's who's saying, I, I could have sworn someone said the Wendigo. And I was like, holy shit. But and then I realized it was Henry don't, and it, it was not the Wendigo. So I, <laughs> I was, uh, I was disproven in a few seconds, but mm. yeah, I got a theory and it's one that's uh, not so new. You know, look, we've been talking about Ruth a lot lately. And, uh, oh, you know, she's having a lot of uh, problems with her mind. She's got some, uh, you know, dementia. She's got some, some, some wild things that she's seeing. She could possibly be seeing the future. She's seeing a lot of the past. Doesn't that seem a lot like uh, she could have some sort of telekinetic powers? And, uh, you know, no, maybe she, <laughs> maybe a long time ago she was a troubled 16-year-old girl in Chamberlain, Maine. And oh, I got to say, burn down the school and we find out as a, re- in a re- as a revelation at the end, she's like, all these memories come back to her. And she's like, I, I burned down and killed all my friends you in Chamberlain, You know what's great? Maine. I know you've seen, uh, uh, what, a couple more episodes? I've seen a couple more episodes. My, my, and my the fear- fact that you're still throwing this out as a theory I am. is Be- great because it means it's not true. <laughs> no, it means that it hasn't been disproved yet. <laughs> oh, God. So. Well, 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 to get back to re- realistic <laughs> theories, another theory I just thought of, actually, is the Henry Don't could could have maybe been his father saying don't. Yeah. Maybe maybe Henry entered entered this thinny or this other I think you're right about I this. I think maybe yeah. he entered this thinny or other world at that peak and that Henry and that his father tried to stop him but couldn't go through and mm-hmm. just basically like leapt to his death. Yeah. And maybe that's why and he so got... maybe he's responsible for his death but not really. Like he was trying to yeah. actually to get him to save him from going through to this other world and it just closed on him and he just fell to his death. And may and I also kind of feel like maybe that's why Lacey goes to the same point to to drive off and into the lake. Maybe he thinks, yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know. It's all very, very. It's very strange I mean, because we could come up with ten billion theories today alone from just from this episode. <laughs> so the timeline for the kid though is interesting because the kid arrives around the same time that Henry leaves, right? You mean like in the present set, like or, or no? Just... I'm talking about like a long time ago when Lacey found him. Yeah, the, is is that does that line up? Is the kid supposed to be? Was that 27 years ago? How old is he supposed to be now? Because that's what they were I saying. Guess that, that would maybe make sense. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, because Henry would be yeah, because Henry's what his 30s probably. So and he disappeared when like. So I'm wondering. Not, yeah. I'm, and I'm wondering if like maybe if this thinny theory is true. If maybe Henry went in and then he came out and then Henry had to come back in or I, I don't know. It's just I, I feel like maybe there's some sort of exchange there that happened again. Who the fuck knows? I yeah, mean, it, I know. I, I keep wondering, that's point, why this is all in room 237 yeah. theories. <laughs> you know, I, I keep wondering if we'll get any kind of confirmation about the 27 years just because of it, you know, but I mean, but I, I wonder if that's just like a little, I a like little that being depends. a little nod to it. I don't know if it, he's has not going to be like Pennywise. With... That would be, 
No, 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 no. I'm hoping I, to God I, at the I, end, he bet, puts on a red nose, and he's like, see you later, <laughs> going to dairy. And he's like, having, he gets a Prius oh, or something. Good Lord, <laughs> that would be awful. But it, it, I like the fact that they're using that year. It, it's it's making the number 27 a, a 19. Yeah. You know, and I think I kind of like that. So I'm yeah. hoping that maybe that number starts popping up a little bit more and some other things. Could have been 19 It would years, be though. really cool and interesting now if, if this if this does what I want it to do and is successful and is satisfying mm-hmm. at the end of this all. I think it'd be fun for King to to maybe work a little something of this into, you know, like a little give and take. Quite. Just a little nod. I'm not saying he needs to, like, do a story about the kid or something, but I think it'd be fun to, to just... Uh, um, uh, give a little nod to these guys for doing a great job. So basically like what Smallville, <laughs> what DC Comics did for Smallville by adding Chloe into the canon. Well, I, I, I'm, they don't they don't regret that now, do they? <laughs> oh, I, I, they might actually. Yeah. Allison Mack well, is mean, a... She's a great person. She is a really great person, but... Um, sad. It's, honestly, it's, that's sad. I know, uh, I know. Well, stay tuned for... Uh, small cast. Talon cast. <laughs> we're, we're reporting live and the recording uh, episode recaps from the Talon. We've got John Glover handcuffed to the radiator, <laughs> and we're going to ask him questions about small buildings. Yeah, and then at Gremlins too, which we... Uh, oh, thanks we to have, Mel. Sitting above me creepily is... Mohawk. Mohawk, the gremlin spider. Yeah. Uh, very creepy. And I'll take <laughs> Big a picture. Part of Castle I'll Rock. take a picture of that for y'all. Yeah, it's great. I actually did share it on uh, on Instagram, uh, oh, and people are loving it right now. So, hey, do we have any more Room 237 theories? Because I, I, I've got to get out of this room. I don't really like it too much. Uh, I'm fresh out of theories. Well, I'm uh, fresh full of thoughts, though, as in final thoughts. The ice is going to break. All right, Caffrey, you kick this off. You're going to take us home. What did you think about this episode and how many bright red, shiny, luminescent, <laughs> pennywise clown noses do you give this? I'm going to give it three and a half bright red pennywise clown noses, oh, wow. which is a little bit lower than uh, a few episodes ago, only because of, of my uh, very minor grievances with uh, the kid's storyline and, and just the feet dragging on that a little bit. I just. Mm-hmm. And hey, you know what? If, if I get some answers next episode, maybe I'll come back on this episode and uh, kick it back up to four. But um, but still, I mean, I'm still fascinated by the show. I'm really excited to watch the next episode. Um, it's got me hooked still. Uh, I can't wait to see where it goes. But uh, what about you guys? I'm going to go ahead and give it a, a three and a half uh, bright red Pennywise clown noses as well. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I thought it was a solid episode. And like Dan said, you know, if, if the next few episodes... Uh, do me right, then maybe this episode will uh, shine a little brighter and uh, there'll be another Pennywise clown nose attached. Um, but yeah, I thought it was pretty pretty solid uh, driving. I like the performances. Great cliffhanger ending. I mean, I took everything in my power to not watch that next episode because <laughs> it's at my fingertips. It is. Yeah, I, want, I want it to be fresh yeah. and, and not let the next episode inform me on this one. Um, so yeah, what about you, Mike? I'm going to go with four. Yeah, I have some, uh, I have some, you know, grievances, obviously, with uh, the, you know, the Juniper Hill, but it's still the Juniper Hill has that cool shot of the crow flying right down to the ground. Oh yeah, like that, you know, kind of reminded me of Brandon Lee or something. But um, (laughs) I, I really, I I thought this was an effective episode in the sense that you really did have like a thematic tie to all the narratives that were going on, like the whole breadcrumbs thing, the whole idea of trying to find some sort of 
linear narrative of your past and the way that they mirrored all those paths together and everyone's kind of going down the rabbit hole in their own respective ways. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was really effective. And uh, I also love watching Scott Glenn uh, just as Pangborn doing some detective work, which is fun. Scott fucking Glenn. And and also to to that point, look, again, like I said, that whole thing with the the Finney... (laughs) We're just gonna call it. The we're just gonna call podcast. it the with the with the RV and the kid. I mean, when I saw them pop up in the last episode for Harvest, I was a little worried. Like, oh no, like this looks so like this could you be think, just so cartoony. Did you cartoony. think it was going to be Doctor Sleep the Power Vampires? I thought I thought it was gonna be some sort of it was maybe be mishandled that way, but it wasn't, and it was really effective. And there wasn't a moment in this entire sequence where I thought that we were like they were totally jumping the shark or getting a little too over the top and. That to me is pretty impressive. I mean, it, and it honestly, kind of a step above King a lot of the times because when King starts uh, kind of elevating that prose and elevate and explaining things, it gets a little uh, unwieldy. Yeah, like some, a, you know, sometimes they come back. You know, like well, even in um, I mean, I just finished it and it's still one of my favorite King books. But even in it, when they when he gets too like he starts to just explain away things that yep. don't need explaining, you you just kind of roll your eyes a little bit. It's not really till the end of the book, but uh, well, we'll obviously talk about that. Yeah, it gets later. a little inter- interstellar. Towards yeah, the end of the book. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on that. I I I will agree with you if the if this pans out. Yeah, but right now it could easily be just a bunch of garbage. You know what I mean? You never yeah. know. Yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. You but, know, I mean, we still got four more episodes to to wrap this sucker true. up. That's true. And I did want to mention one last thing that I oh, yeah. noticed that I forgot about. Uh, I, I don't know whose house it is, but Henry, I believe it's Henry's walking through a house and he notices that there's a missing cross on the wall. Mm. Did you notice that? He looks at the wall and there's an outline of like a cross that might have been there. And, and I'm, uh, only mentioning that, I'm only mentioning that. I'm only mentioning, yeah, Father Callahan is back at it. No, but I only mention that because I, I, I have a feeling that um, if it's in Ruth's home, which I think it might be, that it's possible uh, it would come back into play if she's moving through time in some weird way. Look, I think the show. You know, is, you never know. I think the show follows the rule of Chekhov's gun. I think anything that's out there is going to have to play or factor in somehow oh, down we'll the road. See. But we will see. When we return next week for episode seven, The Queen. And when I tell you that this is an episode you do not want to miss, you do not want to miss this episode. Not like you will, because we're all fucking crazy fans and you're going to watch anyway. (laughs) But I am telling you, this is a very great episode. And we are going to have a very special episode for you. And why are we going to have a special episode? Because we spoke his showrunner, Dustin Thomason, earlier today. And I asked him a shitload of questions. And And he didn't answer anything. (laughs) And he didn't answer anything. No. We had a really great conversation. He's a great guy. He knows his Stephen King. Holy shit, does he know the Stephen King. Nice. Very excited for you to have that supersized episode next week. So I guess that's it. (laughs) I was just going to leave a little silence there so it could feel like we were in uh, the filter. But uh, we've we've had our filter and we're going to uh, fill up the car and uh, head out of Castle Rock over. Ah, fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just say it. Whatever. Long Long days days and pleasant pleasant nights. nights. All right, guys. Have a good one. I got some hot friends. I got
Consequence Podcast Network.